0: So in 2016, I attended a PGC Glacier coaching clinic in Atlanta, Georgia, and it was an incredible learning experience for me as a coach as I got to pick and choose topics and speakers throughout the weekend. it uh, kind of Those clinics kind of had a similar feel to, I think, the virtual coaching clinics that we get to now participate in. But still to this day, no presentation at a coaching clinic has impacted me as much as the building team cohesion session led by today's guest. Uh, Mano Watsa. I mean, I walked away not just inspired, but I was equipped with some practical ways that I could get my team to set their vision and standards for this program. And I went and implemented that and it was really, really effective. I still have my four pages of notes from that session, but beyond just giving a great workshop, um, as CEO of PGC, Mano has continued to build an exceptional culture uh, at the PGC organization. And that culture was established by Dick Devenzio and Dina Evans. I mean, if you attend any of their ev- events, though, uh, for, for coaches or athletes, uh, you're not going to want to leave. I'm just going to warn you, uh, not just because of the knowledge and how much you'll learn, but because of who they are as people and who they are as an organization. So in today's episode, which is the first part of our conversation with Mono, uh, we're going to dive into the PGC culture, how he develops his staff, uh, because I think this is really applicable for not only how we develop our own team culture, but our staff culture. Welcome to the Coaching Culture Podcast brought to you by Thrive On Challenge. I'm J.P. Nurbin, joined by my friend and co-host, Nate Sanderson. Each week in about 30 minutes, we discuss important principles and strategies of transformational leadership. At Thrive On Challenge, we help coaches to raise the standards and strengthen the relationships in their program because we know this type of culture produces better leaders, better people, and better results. To learn more about how we can help you, go to thriveonchallenge.com, where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and get the coaching notes to every episode of this podcast.
1: Well, we're excited to be joined by Mano Watsa from Point Guard College here to talk a little bit about his approach to building a dynamic and a unique culture at Point Guard College. And Mano, for, for those of our listeners that maybe aren't familiar, with the basketball universe and kind of the role of PGC, I wonder if you could just give us maybe a 30 second background of kind of what you do at PGC and how you got into the, the situation, the position that you're in right now.
2: Absolutely, first of all, Nate, JP, just an honor to be on with you both. You're having such an impact on coaches worldwide and uh, just a a privilege to join you guys today. So thanks for the invitation. Um, Yeah, Point Guard College, I had the privilege of actually attending PGC as a high school athlete, and it transformed not just my game, but my approach to leadership and really gave me a vision for who I wanted to be even beyond the game as a person. And so PGC has been in the business of um, inspiring players and coaches for the past 29 years and over 100,000 players over 15,000 coaches have been through a five day four night transformational PGC course and uh, we call it a course rather than a camp because uh, players and coaches go through our hear it, see it, do it model. They hear it in the classroom, they see it on film, and then they get on court and put into practice everything they've learned about how to think the game, how to lead their team, and how to
1: run the show. Now you are the the CEO of uh, Point Guard College, and um, I have a, a bit of a history with PGC dating back geez, almost 15 years now um, when Dina Evans was still on the road in the, the big white van driving from campus to campus doing uh, <laughs> these courses. And, and I got the good privilege of being able to work a few of those. Um, and there was something even in those early days that I, I think you've really taken to another level here where whether you're a coach or a player, you're obs- observing coach, there's something different about the experience of point guard college. And the thing that I think we want to try to draw it a little bit in this conversation is it's not by accident. And I don't think it's just because of the the people that are drawn into a PGC course. There is a lot of intentionality on your end um, and through your leadership to try to build what I think is a special experience, not just for players in your courses, but even for your own staff. And so I wonder if we could just start with your staff and how you invest in the directors and your key five Coaches with TJ and and Sam and and the others. What's your approach there to trying to build a dynamic culture for the people that you're working with first? Mm -hmm. Well, first
2: of all, one of the things we realized in the early years, and that special experience that you talked about at the beginning, Nate, uh, that obviously predated me. It goes back to our founder, Dick DeVenzio, who created Point Guard College with the intention of teaching an intelligent approach to sports. And it was obviously from the perspective of the point guard position and far more than just a position on the court, it's really a way of thinking, a way of being as a player and not restricted to just somebody who has the title point guard. And um, we've really taken that way of being and applied it to our staff. So not just to uh, as principles that we teach to players in the summer, but a way of being in terms of how we would approach all of our relationships, all of the work that we do, all of the preparations for our sessions. And so the as we've expanded over the past decade, um, one of the things we had to get really clear on as we moved beyond just a really, really small staff where you know, if if Dina or myself could be at every session, it's pretty easy to uphold the values and the standards and the culture because you're there to ensure that they're upheld. The challenge for all of us, anytime we create something, including all of our coaches who aren't in every conversation that players have in the locker room, they're not in every conversation that may take place um, even outside of the, the gym. And how do you create a culture and help others to live out the values that you'd like to see everyone embody? And that's the journey that we've spent the past 10 to 12 years um, going down.
0: It's incredible to you know, hear how like, you've tried to replicate you, you know, and Dina and the, kind of the, the experience that you're creating. And so when it comes to developing other people within the staff at PGC, what are some things that you guys do that might be applicable for a head coach that's trying to develop his assistant coaches? Because I think, while you're, you know, you're a little bit different. You know, it's in, in one sense there's probably some strong applications because I've had the benefit of attending PGC Glacier Clinics and as well was a PGC camper. You know, yeah. uh, I'll talk about that in a little bit, but it's very, very evident that everyone is really on the same page when it comes to. lot of the ways of instruction and the mission, like it's just there. So what are some things that you think coaches could benefit from to do with their own staff?
2: Yeah, I think uh, first and and foremost, JP, as a coach, you got to get clear. Any of us in any leadership position, we have to get clear about what's important to us. What do we want things to be like around here? So as a, as a coach thinking about their team, what do I want things to be like around here? That's really what culture is. <laughs> what things are like around here, how everyone does what they do. And um, as a coach and as a business leader in any realm, the, the greater the clarity that you have, the easier it's going to be to help align everyone else on the team or in the organization. And so if you don't have clarity yourself about what's important to you and the the environment or the experience that you're attempting to create, you're going to have a really difficult time. But once you get clear, then the second step is how do you go about conveying that to your assistant coaches or your players? And so I think conveying it comes in two ways, modeling and communicating. So you've got to you've got to ensure you're modeling whatever you hold dear. And then secondly, it's really helpful to create a common language. A common language that can be shared amongst the coaching staff. Here's what's important to us and why and here's how we talk about it so that you begin to get everyone using the same language which of course, as everyone starts to use the same language, everyone starts to, to think in the same way. And it's not that you don't want it, everyone thinking creatively, but there are certain things, specifically your values or the environment you're trying to create, that you want everyone thinking along the same lines.
1: Mano, over the years, you and I have had some conversations about how you develop individuals within your organization, and particularly with conversations about their own personal development sort of as it unfolds within the vision of PGC. And I wonder if you could just talk about, it, maybe in generalities a little bit, but how those conversations go and why they're so important to the development of the people that are working with you.
2: Sure. Well, I think one of the, one of the mistakes that we make as coaches and as leaders is we don't create explicitly, meaning we don't declare it, we don't communicate it, that we're creating a growth culture. And when when you start from the premise of I want everyone to know we're creating a growth culture and the way we grow is by coaching each other up. The way we're going to grow is by giving feedback, either in real time or soon after to help us grow and stretch and and learn and change. And so I, I, I think it begins with that approach and communicating a growth culture. So everyone who comes into PGC, whether they come in in the the role of a summer staff position or whether they're joining our full-time staff, we make it abundantly clear that we're a group of lifelong learners. And coming into the fold with us means a commitment to learning, growing, and changing. And if somebody isn't receptive to learning, growing, and changing, they're not going to stick around PGC very long. (laughs) They're they're not going to want to stay around. They either have to embrace it. It's polarizing. And and I think any good culture is polarizing. It draws in those that align, and it repels those that don't. And so I think it's important as, as coaches that we communicate to our assistant coaches, hey, we want to have a growth culture and be growth oriented. We all know every coach wants their players to grow. Unquestionably, I don't think there's a coach on the planet that doesn't want their players to grow, learn, and change. In fact, every coach highly values their players being coachable, their receptivity, growing, learning, and changing. But often as coaches, we don't foster that environment with our coaching staff. And so then it's difficult to give feedback because you see your assistant coach maybe not doing something the way you'd like it to be done or as well as it could be done. But can I give feedback? Can I not give feedback? But the reason that happens and and sometimes head coaches walk on eggshells or then they just explode and get angry is because they haven't first fostered a growth culture where there's buy-in. Okay, so we're creating a growth culture and we're going to be growth oriented. And here's what it's going to look like. I'm going to consistently ask you for feedback of what I'm doing well and what, can I, what, what I can do to get better. And I'm going to consistently give you feedback of what you're doing well and how you can get better. And that's something that we have done consistently at PGC in our summer sessions and year round.
1: Let me push on that a little bit more because I think one of the conversations that we have with a lot of our coaches, and this is true whether they're working with their staff, their administration, their players, parents in a program is that feedback can be a volatile issue sometimes. you know, And so when you're having those conversations on the regular as part of the culture of PGC, how do you approach both being receptive to that feedback and is there ways that you coach giving feedback in a certain situation so that it is more likely to be received and, and acted on?
2: Yeah, so the first piece is leaders go first. Leaders go first, so do the hard things first. So before I ever attempt to coach someone up, I open the door by modeling, by asking for feedback from them. Hey, I'd like, love it if you, you could let me know. So if I'm at a summer session with, with our staff and I'm directing a session, I don't really direct sessions for the most part now, but when, when I did, but the, the principle is the same, would ask the staff, hey, I'd like you to give me feedback on this and what, if, what am I doing well? What can I improve upon? That automatically disarms them and reduces the likelihood of them feeling defensive when I in turn give them feedback. They've already seen that there's, there's not an ego here, that I'm not power tripping on them and that I think I'm great and they have a lot to learn. I'm letting them know I'm a work in progress. Which helps make it easier for them to accept and embrace that they're a work in progress too, and so I think as coaches, and it's a difficult one as a head coach to be vulnerable enough to say to your assistant coaches, as you're as you're jumping into the you know the uh, maybe you know preseason retreat or first few practices, hey, I'd love you to give me feedback, and I did this with my assistant coaches every single day at the end of every single practice. What did I do well? Give me one to two things. What did I do well? Give me one to two things. What can I get better at? Or what can we get better at for tomorrow? And that in the first week or two, I wouldn't even turn it back on them until finally, typically one of them would then ask, hey, Mono, what can I get better at? <laughs> in other words, I didn't, have to even, I didn't even have to facilitate that because I led first. And so I think it's important as as coaches or leaders in any organization, you you go first on that.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think that's a a great point. And yet in the coaching realm, sort of traditionally, the coach is the authority figure. We tell players what to do. We have the answers. We put forth a game plan and we often don't engage with our captains or our players. You know, maybe we do with our assistant coaches on how things could go better. Um, but I love that approach, you know. And the more I've done that in the past with my players, how can I coach you better? How could I have done that better? How could we have better prepared for that practice? Not only the more engaged they are in what we're trying to build together to make this thing better for everybody, but I think they do open themselves up, as you said, for more um, feedback and conversation, and are interested themselves more in their own personal growth. So I love that approach.
2: Yeah, and and. One of the things that's always stood out to me at our coaching clinics, when we have some of our division one coaches, NCA division one coaches and pro coaches who come to speak at our sessions and then they stay or they come early and they sit front row and they participate and they put up their hands. And I'm just continually amazed that the coaches at the highest levels are inquisitive, curious and are quite obviously, see themselves as a work in progress, and committed to lifelong learning. And so I I think, you know, if we were to step into any one of their practices, it's quite obvious that they've put their ego on the shelf. And they don't think they need to impress others or or feel like they've arrived. And I, I think one of the things that We wrestle with not just as coaches, but as as human beings, we we wrestle with being vulnerable because we tend to want to impress. And so we don't want to convey to anyone else that we don't know it all or that maybe there's uh, something that we're not doing well. And so my my encouragement to our staff is always to get over yourself. (laughs) You haven't arrived. And the day you've arrived and you think there's no more to learn is the day you're done. And so uh, so I think we've instilled that in our staff and we've attracted staff who are interested in that. They want to get feedback, they want to grow and and they wanna get better. And so my my challenge to any head coach listening would would be to seek feedback from others and even your players. Sometimes I'll end up practice and say, Hey guys, what did we do well out there? What can we do better? And I don't mean, what can you do better? What can we as a coaching staff, as we plan our practices do to help you? And sometimes that's in the form of surveys. Sometimes it's the group, sometimes it's the captain, sometimes just individuals, but getting feedback. I think generally as coaches, we don't get nearly as much feedback as we could or should. And we would benefit from tremendously if we did more of
0: I think one of the big challenges from a coach trying to facilitate that feedback initially is sometimes players or even our staff are hesitant. Whoa, does he really want feedback or does he not? And I think it kind of comes back to though, the organizational culture that you're talking about building is being really, really clear. One of the things I wanted to come back to that you mentioned earlier was this common language. And here you've got two very common questions. I'm going to ask you consistently at the end of every session, what did I do well? What can I do better? And so we're trying to create a common language. And I, I like that. I think the challenge for me, and I think this is where I would really like to learn from you, is so often I feel like this common language kind of evolves organically. Like PGC has a lot of PGCisms, is what I guess I'll call them. You know, just, just a lot of just things that you say that if you didn't work there or you didn't go to multiple camps, you wouldn't know what the heck people were talking about. Um, but you guys understand what it means and it, and it ties to your mission. It ties to your values. It ties to your beliefs about how to do things. So what kind of advice would you have for coaches that are trying to create that common shared language? Like what's, what's an important step in that process?
2: I think an important step in that
0: process is to steal.
2: <laughs> you can spend a lot of time trying to come up with your own sticky language and, um, when, As I listen to podcasts and read books and I pick something up and I think, oh, that is good. That is really good. That's easy to understand. It conveys what we're trying to get across and it does so in the most efficient, effective way possible. We're going to incorporate that in. And so uh, so I, th- we've leveraged a lot of the sticky language and vocabulary that dictates. Venzio created himself. He was brilliant. And obviously, PGC is based on that. Our entire core values are based on his leadership acronym called SHAPE that's spelt uniquely with S-C-H-A-P-E. Um, but uh, but you don't have to reinvent the wheel. If uh, if you're actively listening and actively reading and actively learning from others, I think you can pick out what you think are, are some, some really good pieces of language that uh, that could be utilized and there's tens of thousands of coaches who have picked up language from PGC incorporated it in and the second one is sometimes you can pick it up from your players by the language that they're using that you realize that's actually a great way that makes sense to them <laughs> I need to adopt that language and we're going to use that as a phrase to convey something because that's relevant relevant for them and they understand it and it works for them. So I think those are the two, uh, two recommendations that I'd have.
1: There's another aspect of kind of the PGC experience that I, I wanted to get your, just kind of your commentary on. And when people ask me, you know, about going to Point Guard College and what's unique about the laser Clinics and Key 5 and things like that, one of the things that I always come back to is no matter what my involvement was, you know, whether it's being an observing coach at a camp, attending as a coach at, at a Glazer clinic or presenting and, or, you know, talking with you guys afterwards, I always felt like there was a culture of appreciation that there's a, that, that you and your staff and the, the people at PGC appreciated the people that were involved in whatever it was that you were doing. And I know that that's something that you've intentionally worked into your organizational culture as well, but we may talk a little bit about how we do that with players and kind of the second half of our conversation here, but, in terms of just, again, building your organizational culture, why is appreciation something that seems to be so important to you? Hmm.
2: Yeah. First of all, I appreciate you identifying that. And that's obviously good to hear. Appreciation is important to us because it's a way of conveying value to people, it's a way of helping others feel valued. And there's so many experiences in so many places that people don't feel valued in their marriages or in their family relationships or in their work environments or with their teams. And I think one of the, one of the most important gifts that we have the ability to give others is to make them feel valued. And so one of the best ways to help someone feel valued is to appreciate them to acknowledge their good efforts, their contributions, not even just what they're doing, but who they are and who they're being. And so so that's so that's a primary reason why we have attempted to source so much of what we do from a a place of gratitude. It's why we open um, every staff meeting that we have at PGC with what we call celebrations and celebrations are our way of experiencing gratitude to one another or gratitude for something that has taken place. Um, or our celebrations could be some an accomplishment that either we have uh, had or that somebody else has had. So it's a way of recognizing others and seeing the good in any situation. So I think gratitude serves not just for the receiver, but gratitude is also good for the giver because it changes how you see the world. It, when you source something from a place of gratitude, it's forcing you to see the best in the situation or the best in something or the best in someone. And so as a, as a PGC, we attempt to create an uplifting environment for everyone who comes into the environment. I can't think of a better way to do that than through appreciation.
0: I think it's really, really simple. You know, it's easy to do, but it's easy to forget or not do. Like your celebrations thing, I think it's just really profound. Um, Just even over, you know, during the pandemic, uh, before we started eating dinner, you know, as a family, we started saying, hey, what are we grateful for? And it's just something simple like that and just being consistent about, I I think, has Help to transform just our dinner experience from one of being complaining to one of being something a little bit more positive. But I think it's just from an outsider's perspective, I think it's probably critical for your ability to scale. Like, because PGC is really big now. Like, you got camps all over the world. Uh, they're all over America, and there's thousands of campers that are going through there, and you got loads of different coaches. So I would just, I don't know. I guess that's just kind of one of my takeaways from just what you're saying. There is like, and I want coaches to understand that is like. These things are they sound really simple but they're probably really impactful.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And when I think of the teams that I've coached over the last 5 years, coached my my sons when they're playing high school JV and then high school varsity, I coached their AU team the past 4 years and we begin and end every practice with our celebrations, and there's now hundreds if not thousands of coaches doing the same across North America as well, based on what we do at PGC. But this time with celebrations, it only takes 60 to 90 seconds, and we begin practices by having the players and the coaching staff celebrate others might be three or four players who get celebrated. It might be an assistant coach who gets celebrated, but three or four celebrations as we gather at the center court circle, and we all stand around just outside of the edge of that center court circle. And it's how we begin practice. And it's a way of reinforcing everything that we're about as a team. And at PGC, it reinforces everything that we're about as an organization, as a company, what we stand for, what we believe in, and our values. And so our players celebrate and we teach them how, we model it, we lead it, and then they participate. And we celebrate each other for how they've lived out our values as a team off the court, what's important to us. Well, in any given year, we'll have a number of, of commitments that the players have made that's important to them for being a great teammate, how they show up in in, uh, in the hallway, in the class, etc. And so one, one player will celebrate their teammate for having put up their hand and answered a few questions in class. And then another player will celebrate a teammate for when they came into the locker room, how they brought energy to everybody else by giving everybody a high five when they came into the locker room. And somebody else will celebrate that, that the first player into the gym came in and mopped the floor. And then another player will celebrate um, a coach for coming over and helping them with their free throw shooting before practice started. And what that does, that gratitude not only is good for the giver, as I said, it helps everybody to see the best in others and see where others are showing up well. It's good for the receiver because it reinforces the behavior of, of what they're doing. It makes them feel really good about their contributions. But in addition, the one that just can't be overlooked is it it reinforces the culture and the standards and the commitments that you want everybody to, to hold to. And that's one of the reasons when we can have 120 to 160 players at a PGC session and coaches will come in and they say, I don't understand how you brought in this diverse group of players from all around the country or all over the world who have all sorts of different standards. And they all align to this common standard almost overnight. And you seem to have nearly no problems with these players. Surely there's some bad apples or bad seeds in in this group, but... When players are acknowledged and celebrated and challenged, and then the culture is reinforced through the celebrations where they hear what is really valued, I think everybody wants to rise to the occasion. Nobody wants to say, hey, I want to show up and be a dud. Nobody wants to say, I want to show up and fail. And so I think as coaches, we have the opportunity to reinforce our culture every single day, not just when you're giving a pep talk, but every single day through something as simple as what you do at the beginning of practice. And at the end end of practice, we do it again for another 60 seconds. And it's the chance for players to celebrate each other's, how they showed up during the practice. And it reinforces our principles of hustle and communication and precision and excellence and care and all of those things that we're attempting to create as our, our cultural foundations. You
1: know, I think what's also so powerful about that is it's not just the coach catching players being good. You know, it's not just four or five sets of eyes that are in the gym for two hours with them, but it expands the ability to be seen. Being who we want to be, whether it's in the classroom or it's you know it's at home or it's stopping at the gas station, you see somebody helping somebody. Right along those lines,
2: Nate, you you said something that that triggered this for me. When players are celebrating each other, m- many of us, possibly even most of us, have grown up in environments where we've learned to see the shortcomings of others. We've learned to see. Uh, um, The negative in situations. Many of us have been brought up that way. And when we encourage players to see the best in each other and to actually speak it out, for many of my players, they're doing something they've never done before. They're acknowledging the good in others, and it's like putting on another, a new set of glasses. And so, really, we're retraining their brains to and retraining their eyes to see the good in their teammates. So instead of complaining and being frustrated in the locker room about somebody who's not sharing the basketball or somebody who's being selfish or being lazy, we're helping them, not that they're not gonna hold teammates accountable, but we're helping them to put on a set of glasses of seeing the best in others and being able to communicate that to bring about a greater result for them and their team. And that has a profound effect. In fact, I think it's, Possibly one of the greatest gifts we can give our players, that they have the ability to communicate that one day to their coworkers, to their spouse, to their children, and to see the best in others. I think is just one of life's greatest gifts that we can give as coaches to our players.
1: You know, and sometimes, Mono, that because it's so unnatural for players, because teenagers just don't do that as a habit, walking around and giving valentines like that. You know, <laughs> as, I've, as I've started kind of helping to build, you know, a new program and a culture and a new place this year as an assistant coach, the question that we started with or we start our weekly classroom session with is, what are you most proud of this week in terms of who we've become, you know, and we look back at our growth since the last week when we met and we think about the moments where it felt best to be part of this team or when we talk about supporting each other, we try to think of some of those specific examples. And it's been such a, a simple question. What are we most proud of? of being us. But it's been like the vehicle for us to be able to start getting more comfortable and then be able to build on that in other different ways uh, more individually. But just having that conversation in little groups of three and four to start our meetings has been really powerful for us this year.
2: Oh, that's awesome. I love that question. I'm going to add that to, to, to my toolbox as well. And you know, speaking of those questions, When when you and we we all often do this at the beginning of practice or end of practice where we'll put them in groups of three and have them share something. Um, But one of the benefits of getting our players to share so easy as coaches just to jump into everything we want to accomplish in practice. we got to get these systems in place. we got to get these players improving their rebounding. We've got to help them with their defensive transition and away we go. And what we miss is the opportunity to build team camaraderie and trust. And is there anything greater than trust in a team? And so one of the ways to build that trust is to give players the opportunity to share. Not even just to share the encouragement and seeing the best in each other, but to share, hey, take 30 seconds and share one thing that's gone really well in in your week and share one thing that's been a real struggle this week for you. in groups of three, you've got 30 seconds to share. We do that type of thing all the time with our our teams to help players connect and to help players build rapport and and trust and connection with each other. And I think that goes a long ways. And I've, I've heard it from parents. I've heard it from referees and even other coaches who have said, your players just seem to have each other's backs. They just seem to play together as a unit. We all want that as coaches. And I've certainly had times where I didn't feel like I had that as a coach. And so I had to go in search of how am I going to create better team morale and camaraderie and trust so that they play as a unit, not as individuals. And I think getting them connecting in those ways at the beginning or end of practice can be a powerful way to increase trust amongst the team.
0: All right, we'll be back next week with the second part of our conversation with Mono, where we're going to unpack many of the things they do within the PGC camp experience that make it transformational for athletes. In the meantime, if this is your first time listening to the Coaching Culture Podcast, I encourage you to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you head on over to thriveonchallenge.com, you can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, which includes the notes to every episode of the podcast, as well as several other PDFs uh, kind of culture tools. Also, we mentioned last week that we have announced the dates for our Transformational Leadership Retreat in Park City, Utah. This is our second one. Uh, it's an incredible experience for 15 leaders. Uh, some of them who are already part of the TOC community and our mentorship program, but we always open up a few spots for some newbies, uh, people that just want to come and spend time, not just learning and growing, but recharging, relaxing and and having having some fun, honestly. Uh, It's an incredible time. So if you'd like to join us uh, the first week of August, uh, go to thriveonchallenge.com forward slash retreats for more information, or you can click on the link in the details of this episode.